Let me bring in our hypnotist, Marshall Silver. It's uh, Marshall Silver, ladies and gentlemen, the world's fastest hypnotist. Leap Day. Happy birthday, Tony Robbins, and a few other people born on Leap Day uh, who never seem to age because they only get one year older every four years. I'm Marshall Silver. Very excited to be with you today. We've got a phenomenal guest, somebody I'm giddy about. He is a uh, an NFL alumni, uh, an expert on personal health, and so much more. And I'll get to him in a moment. Very excited about our guest. Also excited that today, two twenty nine. We have $11,500 up for grabs. If you say the secret word contained inside the envelope. I've had some thoughts on this, by the way, on the uh, secret word. We're, we're up to $11,500. I don't care what, what number it goes to. Somebody's going to win. So I don't care when they win or how much they win. I was thinking that once somebody wins this prize, this big prize, that I'm going to lower the daily cash prize. I'm going to start off at a thousand and add 500 bucks every single day like we've been doing, except I'm going to make the uh, word a lot simpler. And I'm also going to give uh, stronger and stronger clues, make it almost impossible for somebody not to win on the secret word of the day. Somebody won yesterday too. Uh, we had a guest. Uh, yesterday was a funky show. If you were with me yesterday, you know, we were having technical challenges up and down. It was crazy. And ultimately, we were only able to get one caller on the show. And uh, Dominic Howie was the only caller we had on the show yesterday. So Dominic automatically won 10 ounces of pure silver, 10 ounces of Marshall silver, pure minted silver. So congratulations, Dominic, on winning that. I want to acknowledge Dominic a little further. Number one, he has been with the show, been listening to the show since day one. And we are on day 14 today, episode 14. Not only has he been with the show since day one, he's also been a massive supporter, telling everybody about it. He's over in Scotland telling everybody about the show, and I just love that. So when he won the bar yesterday, first thing I thought was, how are we going to ship the bar internationally? Uh, the second thing, though, was that I got a message from him very shortly after I had that thought. He must be telepathetic. And his message was, while the 10 ounces of pure silver minted, Custom for Marshall Silver is a very cool collectible, which it is, also has great value. He said, I'd like to do something special. And he just made my entire day when he said he wanted to do this. My daughter, Prosperity, has a jewelry line called Prosperity Style. And the Prosperity Style jewelry line, very cool. She launched it when she was seven years old. She's done extremely well with it. Dominic said, rather than send me the silver, how about you ship me an equivalent amount of prosperity style jewelry? I not only want to support you and your show, I want to support your daughter. And I just think it'd be a great thing. So, wow. Yeah. You want to know how to get to my heart? Be kind to my children or my wife. That, that is a, a definite way to score massive points with me. 
So uh, prosperitystyle.shop is where Dominic is shopping now, and we'll make sure we go there and give you a massive credit and take care of you. So good stuff. Like I said, I'm very excited about today's show. Not only will we be taking your calls after the top of the hour at studiomoney.info forward slash live guest. Every single day, we have too many people attempting to get on the air. So if you want to get on the air, by all means, get in the studio now. The studio has limited seats in the green room. And once they're filled, we're not able to bring anybody else in. So by all means, go to studiomoney.info uh, forward slash live guests, get in the queue to get on the air so that you can potentially win $11,500 today. On Monday, if it's not one, it'll be $12,000, but also potentially win the silver like Dominic did yesterday. All good stuff. Hey, uh, our guest today is a very special guest for a lot of reasons. His name is uh, John Madsen, and John is a top elite physical performance coach a master motivator, and so much more. He's the visionary behind the Suprahuman, renowned for its focus on elite physical performance, personal development, to help you achieve the goals you want and need. John's an expert in pushing the boundaries of what's possible in your life. And on today's show, he's going to share his philosophy on achieving peak performance, not in just sports, but in life. Through his unique approach, John has empowered athletes and individuals to surpass their limits and achieve their highest potentials. Two other keynotes I want to make before I bring John on. He is an NFL professional athlete. He played with the Oakland Raiders, the Cleveland Browns, and my favorite, because I'm a Michigander, the Detroit Lions. And then finally, I want to also say that he is a Torian. Birthday May 3rd, excuse me, May 9th. Uh, and so I just want to say congratulations on that, being born in the proper month. Welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you, John. Welcome home. Welcome, man. I've uh, been a fan of yours for a long time. I've listened to you for probably uh, way more than you know, so I'm honored to be here. Well, that is very cool. So are you in Utah right now? No, we moved from Salt Lake City to Scottsdale, Arizona about three and a half years ago. So home is Scottsdale. Lovely. A good move. I, as much as I like snow, I like it for three days at a time. Me too. I, I can always go there and it's 75 and beautiful sun right now. Yeah, I get it, man. So you are a superstar. You are remarkable and it's uh, an honor to have you on the show. Glad to have you here. Tell, tell us a little bit about you that I didn't mention, obviously, in the very short intro. Tell us a little bit about your background and then what you're up to now. Yeah, so I had an interesting, interesting uh, introduction to the NFL. I never played a single down of high school football. So um, although, you know, the odds are pretty stacked against people in ever being a professional athlete in the first place, um, I was a basketball player and baseball player in high school and ultimately didn't step foot out of the stadium seats onto the grass field until I walked onto a junior college team um, about 90 minutes away from Salt Lake City. After that, after playing for a year, I transferred to the University of Utah, played under one of the greatest coaches of all time, Coach Urban Meyer. And uh, ultimately, that led me to the NFL. Before the draft, however, I broke my leg, couldn't run for 12 months. Instead of getting drafted, I got $5,000 and a plane ticket to try out. And uh, I was the only undrafted player to make opening day roster that year. Played for three years, scored a couple touchdowns, was not a superstar, but lived the dream. And uh, ultimately got sent home when I was 27 years old and uh, needed to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Fitness is what got me started when I was 15 years old. 
Um, the whole reason I got to the NFL was because I was a scrawny little kid. When I went to my very first weight training class, I remember 95 pounds just crushing my chest and being completely embarrassed in front of all my friends. And I had a decision in that moment where it was like, I'm either going to run away from this or I'm going to run right into it. My biggest insecurity was being skinny and weak. And so I went home and said, Dad, this is what happened at the gym. I don't think I'm going to play football anymore because I, I'm, I might get killed out there. But I would love to learn how to train the right way. So my dad went down to the local rec center, got me a uh, personal trainer. And at 15 years old, I fell in love with training because little by little, effort by effort, I started to see the changes on my body, but most importantly, my mind. And so without that transformation, uh, I would have never had the confidence to, to knock on that college football coach's door and say, hey, I haven't played in three years, but I'd love to uh, try out. And uh, training changed my life. So when I got sent home, long story short, I opened up my first physical training gym in Salt Lake City, Utah. That was 2010. I lost every bit of my NFL money, which wasn't a lot. It was about $1.2 million before taxes. About 16 months later, that was zero because I dumped everything into the training business and had no idea how to run a business. Um, but I learned, I learned through trial and error. And 14 years later, here I am. We're one of the fastest growing online fitness coaching companies in the entire world. So I figured out a few things along the way, took some hits, but um, happy for it all. Yeah, no kidding, man. So tell me a little bit about it. Obviously, you started off, was, were, were the Lions the first team you played with? The Lions were actually the last team. In fact, I got cut by Cleveland. Um, I didn't play for a full season. We actually played in this uh, UFL league. It was Las Vegas Locomotives. It was a brand new league. So I played there trying to get back into the NFL. Phone didn't ring. I had just turned 27 years old. About two weeks before that, I signed a five-year lease on a building, put a big down payment on a couple hundred grand of uh, fitness equipment. And all of a sudden, the Lions called and said, hey, uh, we have an injury at tight end. We'd love for you to come try out. And I told my agent, I said, hey, I'm starting the second part of my life. I'm, I'm done with this. I was just burnt out. And my agent's like, don't burn any bridges, John. Go to the tryout. And, uh, you know, who, who knows what will happen? So I went to the tryout. There was about five other guys trying out for this one position. Um, I was the one they chose to sign. And I told them, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I think I'm going to retire. And they said, come out to one practice and see if you change your mind. We'd love to have you. And so I went to that practice. I put my helmet on. And I knew in that moment that that was the last time I would ever put a football helmet on. And so after practice, I went up to the GM's office and said, hey, guys, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to start the second half of my life. I'm ready for it. And uh, ultimately, if you really dig in, I was a Detroit Lion for one day. <laughs> I love it. Well, just enough yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, uh, I, live, I have a home in Vegas. That's where our main residence is. And then I live down in San Diego, North County, uh, San Diego, Carlsbad. And so Junior Seau was always a, an extremely uh, popular person down here in San Diego. Obviously, we loved him when mm -hmm. he was playing for the Chargers. And I ran into Junior on a number of occasions in and around town. He knew me from my infomercials and you know, from the work that I had done. I ran into him in Vegas a couple of times. And then obviously the tragic story of his death and everything that happened with him. Uh, I, my, my children love sports, absolutely mm -hmm. love sports. And I won't let them play football mm -hmm. and I won't let them box. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, you, you got lucky, frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know yeah. you know this. The, the, they're not putting enough attention 
on the kinds of injuries that athletes are receiving in particular sports. And those two sports in particular are really bad. So, yeah. you know, I know this is a bit of a turn and we, I want to get to chat about uh, superhuman uh, for sure. But what are your thoughts on, on that? And, you know, obviously people like to play what they want to play. Um, now that I have children, though, I'm extremely conscious of the stuff that they would get involved with that might cause them injuries. Yeah. Is there any you know, part of you that realized that was the path? You know, I, I think back and the discipline and the dedication and the persistence and the resilience and the and the hard work that it took to to reach that dream. Like it it carries over in so many ways. And so I'm so grateful for that. But never putting a helmet on in, in high school, that was three years of hits that I didn't take. In college, I was a wide receiver. So I wasn't bashing my head up against, um, you know, Line. often defensive linemen and stuff every single day. When I got to the NFL, I got moved to tight end. And that was my first like every day, you know, just a battering ram every single day, not to mention special teams and whatnot. And when I got done playing in the NFL, they, they have, you know, some exit stuff and, you know, um, neurologically you can go get checked. And so I remember going through this process and the doctors were trying to compute how many concussions I had in my three-year career. And so they, you know, the very first questions is how, how many times did you get knocked unconscious in your college career or NFL? It's like one time, right? And how many concussions did you have um, that you know of? I'm like, uh, probably uh, two that I know of, right? How many times did you hit heads and then you saw stars floating around? And if anybody's ever played football, they know what that, that feels like. I'm like, a lot. And how many times did you get your bell rung? I'm like, every single day in practice and, and in, the, in the games. And they're like, okay, you play three years. Um, essentially, that's this many practices a year. And times that by three, you've had over 300 concussions. And it's not just the big ones that are the ones that affect people it's all the repetitive stuff and so when i heard that i was like thank god i didn't want to play i for whatever reason i didn't want to pursue it anymore and so um i agree with you that uh it's hard for me because i got so much from the game but i also got out kind of unscathed compared to a bunch of other players and i'm you know i'm thankful for it so i have a daughter i don't have a son so I don't have to worry about that, but um, oh, maybe. I, think, I think you're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, maybe. Not if I have anything no, to do with it. She's going to play tennis. Knowing how powerful you and your wife are, chances are your daughter's probably going to take a similar path. You know, I'm pushing her towards tennis. I'm like, that's a great, that's a great sport physically, and it's an unbelievable sport mentally. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to guide her there. Yeah, I kind of like tennis and golf for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're in your head, you know. It's a, it's a mind game out there. So let's make that transition. Obviously, you know, I was going through your materials and I love your stuff. You're obviously uh, extremely well-versed because you've lived it from the inside out. You, you saw guys while you were a part of the NFL that were extremely good athletes yet couldn't perform because mm -hmm. they would repeatedly get in their heads. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, all my kids have their athletic endeavors that they do. Uh, one of them does parkour. Uh, one of them absolutely adores gymnastics. And my middle son, he loves baseball, absolutely loves baseball. And he also is massively competitive. So when he started playing at seven years old, he'd get upset when he didn't perform the way that he wanted to perform. And then by about his second year, uh, he would go up to bat and we got him in batting practice. We got him in pitching practice. And he's, you know, he's doing extra workouts because I told him, if you just want to have fun, don't worry about it. Just go have fun, play baseball. But if you really want to play baseball and you keep telling me you want to be a professional pitcher, then this is what's required. It's required that you practice every day 
or we're not talking about, you know, once a week or twice a week, you go to your class and you go to your little league practices. The kids that excel, they do it every day. Tiger Woods golfed every day from the time he was five years old. And one of the major things I had to teach him is how to lose. Mm. And I don't, I don't think that people understand that process that people that win a lot know how to lose. Mm. And we know how to, we know how to take that loss and say, okay, what did I learn? What was there for me? What caused that loss? And where possible, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. So let, let's start talking about that, about the superhuman and what makes superhuman the fastest growing fitness brand online right now. Yeah, you, you hit on such good stuff because um, a lot of what got me there was this unwavering delusional belief for whatever reason that I had that I could do it, right? There's, it wasn't like I was one of the best. There, there's so many, think about how many millions of kids are great athletes, can run, can jump, can catch, can do all this stuff. Yet I made it. And usually what happens is uh, a person, I, I love sports just like your son. So I'd watch it on TV all the time. But for whatever reason, in my mind, it was those, those humans playing on TV are just human beings, the same as me. And if they can do it, I can do it. There's nothing stopping me from achieving, achieving that level of, of play. And so like your son, I was in everything. Every, every single day was practice, 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 because I wanted to do it. My parents weren't pushing me into it. And at the very tail end of that, the confidence that I once had almost like vanished overnight. A couple misplays. I was scared of failure. I was like, the game got really big. If I dropped a pass, I didn't know if I was going to be sent home. I was living out of a suitcase because I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I ended up, you know, being there for three years, but it was like, I was so afraid to go home and fail that I couldn't play anymore. It was like, I couldn't even walk and chew gum at a certain point when I, when I, in the beginning, I, I could do everything. And so I realized that my three-year career was no different than a player's that played 12 or 13 years yeah, for sure. as far as talent and ability goes is like, I lost it up here. And I, when I, when I was done, I was like, I'm never going to make that same mistake in business again. Now I didn't, I didn't know how to create the success in the beginning that I've created now. But one of the biggest lessons I've, I've learned is I'm here to play to win and I'm not, I'm no longer afraid to lose. And so knowing how to lose is one thing, but I think a lot of people in life are walking around and they're playing not to lose. It's like they're playing prevent defense on their lives and they can't win because they're so scared of losing. And so superhuman is just this alter ego. It's almost like this construction, this alter ego of John. It's like, if you look up superhuman in the dictionary, it would say having powers above and beyond those of a normal human being. And I'm like, I want to live like a superhuman in my mind and in my body. And we attract high performers all over the world that are that are doing pretty well, but they want to unlock to that next level. And you can't do it if your body is that of that of a very low performer. And so even though people can produce money, uh, you know, and do pretty well in business, if their body is a three or four, watch what happens when we take it to a nine or ten. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I I've been in the game a long time. And uh, I've been on stage since I was seven, started doing personal development, educational work when I was 23. And a couple of years ago, I had open heart surgery. And after the open heart surgery, I gained 60 pounds and the doctors couldn't figure it out. They still don't know what caused it. I still don't know what caused it. But after about a year and a half, I said, look, rather than trying to figure out what's causing this weight, 
You know, you've given me diuretics. You've given me drugs that I hate. Mm-hmm. How about I just how about I just admit I'm fat? And how mm-hmm. about I just acknowledge it that way? My body's changed. The open heart surgery might have changed my body. But how about I just be fat and then and then solve this challenge? And, you know, yeah. I don't I don't think that people understand that it's basic and that, you know, to be when, when I was a young man, you know, I have 10 siblings and my mom would tell me all the time, don't you know, don't try to show off in front of the other kids. Don't try to pretend you're better than your brothers and sisters. And I mean, that's close to home. Don't try to pretend you're better than your brothers and sisters. And my brain would say, what if I am? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, what if I am, mom? You know, Ed yeah. Milet has a, a talk that he gives and he talks about being the one in mm-hmm. his family. And I agree that, that you're, you're the one in your family. Almost certainly. I'm the one in my family. Ed's the one in his family. And so that's, you know, the kinds of people that we attract are the ones. Mm-hmm. And we attract people that want excellence. You know, I, I made a commitment last July to figure out whatever I needed to figure out because being fat has cost me millions. Yeah. You know, people don't people don't always recognize that, you know, if you're in a profession like I am, being fat has caught, even though he's done extremely well, has cost Dr. Phil millions. You know, people that are extremely fit like yourself, you see other people. And and while I believe you probably have a certain amount of empathy and say, hey, we don't know their story. We don't know why they are where they are for whatever reason. But there's also a side of you and everybody else, rightfully so, that looks at somebody that's not fit. And I don't mean just okay. I don't mean unfat. I mean fit. And says if they're not fit and they know they don't want to or or haven't taken control of that area of their life, then how good could they be in the other areas of their life? And while it's I don't a, agree that that's true, it's also everybody's perception. So what what makes the superhuman being super? Yeah, to to me, it's it's optimal performance in mind. It's optimal performance in body, and it's also optimal performance at, in business or financially. I, I true, and then you could go one layer deeper into relationships. We don't teach all of that stuff. I think they're very interconnected. One of the things that I that I used to believe that I don't believe anymore is how you do one thing is how you do everything. I used to say that all the time, and yeah, a lot it, of people it, repeat somebody that. Somebody said that. Everybody requoted it, and it's just flat out not true. Yeah. I mean, because I, I have people that have private jets that, that use us for coaching fitness and it's like how they do business is completely different than what got them 75 pounds overweight. So that's not true. Although I think it's a great aspiration if you're trying to aspire to be superhuman levels of business success, superhuman levels of mental uh, acuity and clarity, and then superhuman levels of physical performance. I think that it can carry over, although for most people, it's not just this complete, I'm great at everything type of deal. And so um, so being superhuman for me, though, is casting that vision for people and making them understand that uh, life is a lot easier if you pay attention to those buckets and you are not just average or mediocre, but you're excellent. Because just like you said, you know, I'm, I'm just a messenger. It's not that I created human beings this way, but if I walk into a room it's been said that in four seconds or less, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be generalized. I'm going to be cut up and I'm going to fit in a certain part of your unconscious mind that you are going to treat me different. And that is hardwired into our DNA. If I walk down the street and I see a Doberman pincher, I'm going to be like, Ooh, like if I'm not a dog person, it's like that that's there for a reason. If I see a little fluffy dog and it's like, Oh, that's cute. I, I react different, but we do that with human beings and people that I deal with are in sales or they're sales leaders or they're presenters, or they want to up-level 
their social circle. I'm like, watch what happens if you walk into a room and you're the one. Like every like everybody can't help but to notice how how fit you are. And I'm not saying you have to be. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not getting on stage. I'm not spray. Nothing wrong with that. You need I'm to not tell winning. that to your reflection. Right. I'm not. I'm not winning medals though. But I walk into a room and everybody knows that I that I take myself very seriously and I have it. I have an immense amount of self respect, confidence, and certainty. And one, you're one of the best in the world at influence and rapport. And it's like it's amazing how much that does for your life. And I've seen it over the years with guys who are super successful that call me up. They're like, John, when I changed my body, I went from this to this. Now I can't promise that, but I've seen it too many times to not mention. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and that quote, I, I heard that quote too, because it's a peer of mine that came up with that quote. And when he said the quote, I heard it and I said, I don't agree with that. Cause I know the same kinds of people that I, I know people on the other side of the spectrum that are ripped. They are healthy. They are absolutely the prime, they are what I would ascribe to be if mm -hmm. I, I said, I want that level of health. They're everything mm -hmm. and they're broke. Yeah. And so it just doesn't work. But what I do believe is this, and I believe this is probably what you think too. If you are excellent in one area, you can be excellent in all areas. So let's figure out what made, makes you excellent as a businessman. And let's use those same habits, those same disciplines over here on your health. So last July, I said, okay. You know, what are you going to do? If you're just fat, it's not nothing to do with your open heart surgery. If you're just fat, what should you do? Well, first thing I did was I said, you got to stop drinking alcohol. And so July 12th of last year, as much as I loved my fine wine and my margaritas, I said, I'm done. You know, I've had my share. There's no loss here. I'm not, you know, <laughs> not using willpower. You already had your share. You're full. But then mm -hmm. I said, okay, what else can you do? And I think that sometimes people are overwhelmed by their health. They're overwhelmed by their finances maybe even their relationships. They just don't know where to start. And my belief is some is better than none. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously you and your bride, amazing health. You look awesome. You carry yourself well. You've got a great energy. Um, what can common people start taking a look at right now to start moving their lives to a super level? Yeah, I, I think the very first part of that is deciding what type of person you are. There's a person that want will gladly spend money to go very fast. And then there's people that want to save their money and they will uh, want to figure it out on their own. There's no wrong way, right? Like I, I grew up in a household and I always joke with my dad. He's my best friend in the world. He was the best man at my wedding, but we would drive past 10 gas stations to get to the one that saved 10 cents on gas. And I'd be like, dad, have you ever really calculated the, you know, by the time we get there on the time lapse, he's like, yeah, but it's the principle. Right. And so there's a, there's a lot of those people. I, I was like, I'm never doing that. I'm not touching my brakes. I'm not hanging TVs on the wall. I'm going to make enough money to never do what I want. Don't have to do. Right. And so one type of person, there's no shortage of information. If you type how to lose weight, Google will give you a billion different um, articles. AI. Now you can go to YouTube, get this stuff for free. And so what we do is not like some rocket sciencey thing. What we've done is we've created a plan where a person can come into our system and they'll know exactly how to work out, exactly how many sets to do, how many reps, how, what the rest interval should be, um, how much specifically for you you should eat, not generalized for you know everybody, but specific to you. And it's like you do A, B, C, and D, and, and, and you do that repetitively and the result is inevitable. And so um, we've mastered, we've mastered that. So the first thing is like, you could go, you could go really fast 
if you hire somebody that knows exactly what to do and you just follow it fastest way from point A to point B. Now, if you wanted to just say, hey, I want to start somewhere, right? I, I want to know what it's going to take to be in pretty incredible health. Well, A is if you go from eating whatever to eating uh, a certain, certain, type, certain types of food. So it's like the question is, what should I eat? You're like, okay, don't eat anything out of boxes or plastic bags. Eat fruits, vegetables, um, lean, lean sources of protein, and eat like an adult. Throw away the cereals, throw away the candy, throw away all this stuff. And you'll go from like uh, being not in very good shape to decent shape. If you want to go from decent shape to very good shape, it's not just about what you should eat anymore. It's how much specifically you should eat. And so the next things that become very important are uh, your calorie intake, right? Knowing roundabout how many calories you're consuming and understanding conceptually um, what that looks like for you on a daily basis. The other big macronutrient is protein, right? You should have a certain amount of protein and then never go over a certain caloric total if you want to maintain your weight, lose weight, or gain weight, depending on whether uh, whatever your goals are. So as far as food is concerned, you can go from uh, poor to pretty good very easily, but but good to great is going to take a lot more specificity. Training, same thing. You could go and have fun at the gym, join classes, do group classes, just get your activity level from you know basic to moderate, and your body's going to respond. But if you want to be elite, it's not just about going to you know, the group fitness class and doing what everybody else is doing. It's, it becomes more about the specificity of exercise, the sets, the reps, the intensity, the rest intervals, and, and taking that personalized to you and then just follow, and, and following that. So there's this element of progressive overload that's very important. Can you do more next month than you can do this month? And as that goes, it's not just a linear process, but for beginners, it's pretty linear. You're going to experience um, some great gains, hydration, sleep, stress. Those are some other components of, of great health. And so, um, I, I live in this world of take, like, I want people to be excellent. I don't want to stop in the middle. So I that's why I created superhuman the way that I did is so we can be very specific and not just general, you know, let's go from poor to decent. What, uh, what's more important food or exercise? Uh, I, I mean, both, but if you're looking from a, a physical, like an aesthetic standpoint, you want to yeah. change your body. Food is, food is, uh, food is going to be the thing that drives, right? If you get 10,000 steps a day and just make sure you're not sitting at an office desk all day long and you're, you're moderately active and you hone in on your food, if it's a weight loss thing, you will lose weight, right? Now, if you want to not just lose weight and you want to build a physique, which is, which is, you know, building of muscle tissue, losing of fat then the training becomes exponentially more important as you go towards that excellent. But if you're poor, just want to lose weight. I mean, you guys have all watched the Survivor show, right? It's like nobody in the history of Survivor has gone on the show and gained weight. No, like you've not, it, it's not humanly possible. And so in Survivor, they go on an island, they can't eat any food. And every single time at the end of the show, everybody is way skinnier than they were than they started. Right. So food is going to be an ultimate driver of uh, weight loss. I think also, you know, again, you, you touched on this and that's one of the reasons I was so excited to chat with you is that it's not enough to do something different. You've got to become someone new. So you were talking about counting calories and, you know, making sure your caloric intake is at a certain level. There's got to be a point where 
do, do you count calories now or is your lifestyle such that you don't have to count it? You say, no, this is what my body needs. This is the approximate portions. These are the types of foods I eat. Here's the ones that I don't. How does that work for you? Yeah. So, so for me, like I like to make people very aware of what they're consuming because the big thing that everybody comes in, they're like, I eat healthy, but I just can't get, I can't get a six pack or I can't get the result. I'm like, okay, what does healthy mean to you? Because it means something different depending on who you're talking to. There's some underlying principles. We can all agree what healthy is, but um, what, what's very, people most of the time aren't aware of how much consumption they're, they're putting into their body. And until we make them very aware of that, it's something that is completely out of their awareness. And so for us, I like, I, I definitely, definitely like people to go through that process, making sure they under cal understand calories, making sure they understand protein, fat, carbohydrates, how to manipulate those, um, those variables to manipulate their body composition. If you do that for long enough, I can look at a plate and almost mentally calculate pr pretty close um, what that's going to be. And so I go through uh, a year and probably nine months out of 12, I do not count. I know very close how many grams of protein I'm consuming and very close to the calorie range, 3,000 to 3,500 calories. Now, I have a photo shoot usually once a year for marketing purposes. And I walk around at 245 pounds, about 12% body fat, look like an athlete, have a six pack um, every single, you know, uh, pretty much all the time. But when I need to get photo shoot ready, there's a 12 week period where I'll dial it back in because estimation, even in somebody that's been in the game since 2010, I'm still not completely accurate. So I'll dial that back down for anywhere from eight to 12 weeks, do the photo shoot. I'll take my body weight from 245 to about 230. and then right after that it's right back up to where i'm happy where it's a level of um it's a routine that i can keep and be happy and not be like completely miserable within a calorie deficit feel hungry all the time so that's not the way to diet right but what people do is like they do something then they don't do it and it's this roller coaster that they end up losing the same 20 pounds for 20 years in a row and it's like they never get there therefore they never know they don't ever complete that pattern it's like they're very good starters, but they're terrible finishers. You're a master of the unconscious mind. It's like, what if you, what if you take your body and you close that loop one time? Instead of being a great starter, you, you finish something. And so it's a break in pattern to where you're like, oh, I didn't just start and then not finish. And so I, I'm very aware of what you said in the beginning of the question. It's like, it's not about what you do. It's who you become. That's the ultimate destination. That's why fitness is like, it's very dangerous in 90 day chunks or six month chunks or even a year chunk. At about the three year mark of consistency, that's when I believe it starts to become who you are. Your environment is going to be, going to, you know, reflect those changes. Your friend circle is going to reflect those changes. Your decisions go from, you know, maybe struggling in the beginning to be like, I really want that fancy. You like wine. I like fancy tequila. It's like, should I have a drink? Should I not have a drink? to where it's automatic, you're just like off sparkling water, right? And I'm not saying you can't have any fun or any alcohol and be really fit, but your choices automatically are way different. No, and I think that that's the biggest thing is, I don't think there's a, there's a thing called willpower. I don't think it exists. I, and so what I do believe is that people just make choices. And mm -hmm. so sometimes the choices are harder and more painful. That's not really willpower. That's still just making a choice. And, you know, when I became a hypnotist many years ago, I was still doing cocaine. 
And so one day I'm doing cocaine at 23 years old and I'm looking at the mirror and I'm thinking the world's greatest hypnotist would never do this. This is mm. stupid. So if you really are the world's greatest hypnotist, heal thyself. And I stopped. I called up everybody who ever sold me drugs. And I said, if you ever sell me drugs again, I'll turn you into the police. Well, guess what? If you can't get it, you can't do it. So I burned the bridge, bridge I came in and burned the boats. And so, you know, for me, it really keeps coming back to that basic idea of who am I? I, yeah. again, you know, I, I haven't drank since last July. And a couple of people have asked me, isn't it hard? And my response is, no, I just, I can drink if I want to, you know, and I don't care if you drink. It doesn't, I don't get nervous and I don't get itchy and, you know, uh, start thinking, gosh, I sure need a drink when I see you drink. I don't care. In fact, if anything else, if I see somebody having too many drinks now, I just feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. And, and because they don't realize what that poison does to their body on a regular basis. I also know though, that that is a really good place, at least in my world to start is what a person who's achieving at the level that I want to achieve at, would they do this? And mm -hmm. if the answer is they wouldn't do this, then you don't do it. You know, people go to Vegas and they, they go to the buffet and it says 1495, all you can eat and healthy people, uh, unhealthy people say, see 1495, all I can keep down. Healthy people see 1495, all I need. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a big challenge for people is they don't realize that the state that they call hunger is a state that most people live in most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, most people, when they feel a little twins, they're, oh my God, I need to feed myself something. They say, no, I'm a little hungry. Okay. Let, yeah. let in this moment, I'm going to enjoy that sensation because I'm positive it's burning calories. Exactly. What do you think about, tell, tell me about fasting. Tell me how fasting of any kind, intermittent or just fasting in general. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for, for us, it's a tool, right? So if I'm, let, let's take me, for example, if, if maintenance for me is 3,500 calories a day, 250 grams of protein, and I'm not saying anybody else should do that. I'm just saying that that's how I know to keep my body at 245 pounds and no, very specifically. If I tried to do that in two meals, that would be punishment. Imagine trying to get 250 grams of protein in, in just two mils. It's not, it's not possible, right? So, so for me, it, it's something where I don't, like I wouldn't fast during a maintenance phase because I need to cut up my meals in a way that I can consume everything that I need to get to. However, when I'm, di when I'm dieting down and I get closer into that, uh, that time frame where I'm going to have to do the photo shoot and my calorie count goes from 3,500 to maybe 2,000, I would rather have bigger meals, right? And so I'm going to divide whatever my total is by two, and I'm probably not going to eat till noon. And then I'll probably eat again at like 6 p.m. and I'll get everything that I need in those two meals. And so, so for me, it's it, from just talking about body composition change, not the health benefits of, uh, autophagy, uh, I don't even know how to say that word, but where the cells divide and, and all that stuff, the, the fasting has incredible documentation about what it can do for overall health benefits. From a strictly body composition standpoint, um, we can manipulate body composition and it doesn't matter if a person eats five, to five meals or two meals, but it's what can they do consistently to hit their specific numbers, that's gonna change body composition. Now, if somebody's like, okay, cool, I, I want to do that, but I'm also very interested in longevity and health and my cellular health and my um, my mental clarity and all that stuff, I would I would tell people that they would have to do it for a period of time to see if they notice 
um, big differences because some people fast and they're like, man, I feel so good. I'm so clear. I'm so mentally clear. I feel like I'm on fire and I can go through my day. And uh, again, we work with producers who have businesses and family, right? They can get through their day and do it very well. Other people, right? And I, I, I definitely, I don't want to generalize, but there's, there's uh, the female population a lot of times they start they they start fasting and um, some of the symptoms of like anxiety and all the, all the other stuff will increase. And so I'm like, fasting isn't necessarily for that person. And in the very flip side of that, there's other even females that are like that those symptoms go down. It's like I used to be anxious, but when I fast, I'm not. So I I look at it as a case by case thing. I think that if a person can do it and they can do it for a period of time to where they're not starting something and and never being able to finish, it's a great tool. So we use it as a, as a big tool in our box for certain individuals, but for certain individuals, like we won't use it. Can you hear? I can't hear you. You mentioned you have your first meal at noon. And then then you eat again at six. And one of the things that, that I'm doing right now, because again, some is better than none. If you don't know what to do, do something. And if it doesn't work, you'll know that it doesn't work. Then do something different. Yeah. I have a brother-in-law of mine who lost probably 150 pounds uh, all through intermittent fasting. And mm-hmm. when I was asking him about what it was all about, he said, Marshall, I just made a plan that I only eat in an eight-hour window. So I only eat between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. And I said, okay, what do you eat during that time? He said, anything I want. He said, but I just initially made up the plan that I would only eat between 11 and 7. He said, then I narrowed that down until it was just a six-hour window. So now I only eat between noon and 6. And he said, it it was a miracle to me. My body started burning fat. He said, I didn't want to exercise at first, but as I started taking fat off, I felt better and better. And so I started walking. And then Mm -hmm. after I started walking, I said, well, I can walk. Maybe I should try to speed walk. And then maybe I should jog a little bit. You know, and for me... Going to the gym and working out like a like a racehorse uh, just doesn't work. You know, if you look like Shrek and you're working out like a racehorse, you're probably still going to look like um, a very efficient Shrek. And that's how I felt. And so, you know, the harder yeah. I would work out, I blew my knees out, both of them playing racquetball, you know, just to get the cardio in. And because I knew I wanted to take the fat off and I realized now that I, I damaged myself. And so now, just like the football injuries, I, I, I haven't been able to play racquetball since July because both my knees were so bad I could barely walk. Mm. And now that they're repaired, I'm saying, okay, you know, what should I do? And obviously one of the things, take the fat off. Because if you're playing racquetball at your current weight, well, your knees are saying, no, thank you. So just yeah. take the fat off and keep going on it. Um, so I'm, I'm working on becoming the, the not the Shrek. I'm, I'm working to become the, the, you know, I don't know. You're, the you're on your way. The, the, the silver, well, we'll think of something. Yeah, we'll come up with something. We'll think of something. But yeah, yeah, I was I was just gonna mention we had one we had one guy, for example. He was drinking sixteen Dr. Peppers. Easy easiest client in the world, right? And this is where I'm going with this. It's like we take a person where they're at. We're like very simple. I'm not gonna have that guy count any calories. We're just gonna say, How what if we take sixteen down to eight? Lose weight immediately. Right. So I'm and then we're going to take eight to, and then we're going to take eight to four and then we're going to go four to zero. Right. And we've done this progress with we, we go as fast as the, the client would allow us to, to go. And it's like you take 16 doctor. How many empty calories is that person? How unhealthy is that person? 
So we don't need to get very complex and tell them to go work out like a professional athlete. It's like, let's just do this. And then this has been a process for six months now. It's like little, little by little, you know, we're, we're, we're working and we're getting them there. Another person might have been working out for, you know, five years or 10 years. And they're like, you know what? I've, I've done everything. I fasted. I've done uh, a, B, and C. I go to the gym. I do all types of exercise. I do 5K races. I do. I just have never had a six pack, John. Can I have a six pack? Right. And they usually have like 15 to 20 pounds, maybe, of fat that we have to strip off. And, and our process is like that person, we can jump right into some of the more advanced stuff because their exercise history and their dieting history has been uh, much longer. That person's very easy to go like, okay, you understand a lot of this stuff. You've done it. You're good at it. Bam, do it our way and watch what happens. And so I think every person is just individual. That's why I don't like generic stuff is because there's no perfect program that's that everybody or there's no perfect diet, even even the amazing health benefits of fasting. If a person can't do it and they're not going to be consistent with it, then we got to find another way. You know, one of the biggest things that that I believe is the greater the subconscious F, the greater the conscious effort, the less the subconscious mind responds. So you take somebody that says, hey, I'm going to the gym every day. I'm running five K's. I'm starving myself and I'm still not getting anywhere. It's because their body has gone into such a defensive mode, number one, that it's holding on to every calorie and burning it as efficiently mm -hmm. as possible. But number two, you just said it. Oh, I don't really eat that much. Well, tell me how much is not that much. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, they probably don't think they eat that much. But you look at it and you say, you do realize you're eating for a person that weighs 250 pounds. So if you yeah. want to weigh 200 pounds, you got to look at what a 200 pound person eats because that's what you're not doing. And so I tell people that you don't have to give up your habit. If you want to smoke, smoke. If you want to drink, drink. If you want to grieve, grieve. Do whatever you want to do. Nobody's telling you you need to change, but you're telling me you want to. Mm -hmm. So one of the therapies that we use to overcome any habit, like cigarettes or nail biting, anything that's fairly habitual, overeating, is I have people wear a paper band on their wrist. And every time they think of doing the thing, whether it's biting their nails or having a cigarette or eating, that they write down the time. And then they take a moment and they say, do I really wanna bite my nails? Do I really wanna smoke? Do I really wanna eat? Or can I wait 10 minutes? And if they can wait 10 minutes, they write down a star. And if they really just wanna you know, chew at that nail, they put a little dot beside the time. And then they just go through their day. They don't change any behavior. In fact, we tell them, don't even try to resist. Just ask yourself the question, could I wait 10 minutes? Mm. And inside of seven days, without fail, every single person we've ever worked with on any habit, alcohol, food, cigarettes, nail biting, porn, I don't care what it is, they've, they've either eliminated it altogether or dramatically reduced the incidences of the consumption of whatever that addiction was. And so I think that, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, again, is for people to realize, you know, you, you don't. I was watching a, an interview with Eddie Murphy, the comedian, the other day, and they were asking him what he thought were his keys to success. And one of the keys that he said was hang out with people bigger and better than you are. Clearly. And uh, the second thing he said, though, was really ask yourself, would a person that's my ideal person do this? You know, mm -hmm. would they? And if they wouldn't do it, you say, no, I'm not doing that anymore, no matter what it is. And I, I myself, uh, every single time I've ever made a transformation, I know it's the same for you. Uh, you look back and you say, why did I wait so long to do that thing? 
Mm-hmm. And, and I and I always tell people that there is a way for you to win that's different than how you're doing it, and it works. But the only way you're going to find that way is to do something that's actually counterintuitive, meaning you mm-hmm. say there's no way that's going to work. Mm-hmm. When when my brother-in-law told me that he'd lost 150 pounds eating pizza and ice cream, I said, there's no way. So I started intermittent fasting. I don't eat any food before my broadcast. Um, I stop eating uh, the very latest at 7 p.m. at night, won't eat past seven, preferably six, and had taken off almost 20 pounds just with that adjustment alone. Mm-hmm. And so, so are there any uh, immediate adjustments people could be making right now that, uh, and or, or do you have some resources available to people to give them some additional information as to some instant habits they could take to start seeing some victories, some wins? Because that's when we start changing is when we see any kind of victory. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, although I don't have any like resources readily available for, for tips, if you go and venture over into my Instagram page, I am John Madsen, there will be links to a podcast where I share uh, in 15 to 20 minute chunks a lot of what you're talking about. I don't have a PDF that's like, do this, don't do this. But in that podcast, um, I'm really talking about behavior modification because just like just like you described, one of our big things inside the program is what is the 2.0 version of of you look like? What do you what what is 2.0 version of you feel like? What's the emotional state of 2.0 version? The superhuman version. So it's almost like um, you have yourself as you are on one side of the paper, but if you really put thought into who you want to become, it's that same exact question that we were just talking about is would that person make the same choice? And unequivocally, the answer is no. And it's, it's so easy. And you and I know that, 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 you know, change doesn't have to be difficult. It's so easy for us to see. Um, but something as simple as that, of getting clarity on what you want to look like, right? How are you going to present yourself? What kind of fashion do you like? Let's, let's create an alter ego. And I'm talking about every, like everything. When you walk into a room, what are 10 things that you want other people to feel? How do you want to feel? And you, you write it down, right? And as soon as that awareness is there, it's like there, there you have your North Star. You have your North Star and you're aware of where you're at now and you can decide to be that person at any one time, right? That's the, that's the craziest part about it. I moved from Salt Lake City to Scottsdale three and a half years ago. My business was, uh, we were doing, we were doing pretty good. I had hit my first hundred thousand dollar month. I thought that I was going to be rich. And that was like, all. I was like, what could go wrong if I make a hundred thousand dollars a month? Right. And, uh, when I moved three and a half years ago, I didn't know, I didn't know that I could be making over a million dollars a month. Right. But the move from Salt Lake city, it was like, I wasn't reminded of who I used to be or the mistakes I used to make or the friend circle that I used to roll in. I wasn't running from anything. It was like I created in my mind because I went through extensive training on the unconscious mind. And, and that's why I was such a fan of yours. And I, I think hypnotism is one of the most interesting things in the world. So I went down that rabbit hole and, and uh, you know, I went down the NLP rabbit hole and like studied this stuff. And I was like, I could just decide to be somebody new. And nobody, like, it, it's not up to anybody to give me permission to do so. If I create it and I'm clear about it, I can just step into it whenever I want. And for me, it was like almost metaphor for me to, like, when I touch down in Scottsdale, I'm like, I'm this person now, right? Yeah. And 
the change was so rapid and so amazing that I'm like, I want to create that for other people because I think they think change has to be something where they sit in a chair and talk about their childhood for, you know, 30 years and never really change. And just they're focused on the problem instead of the solution. Right. And it's like, create your solution, your ideal world, your ideal body, what cars you want to drive. Do you want to drive a Kia or do you want that green Lamborghini that I'm driving? Right. You don't have to like cars, but if you want it, it's okay. Yep. And there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no nothing attached to it. What you want, you can have if you give yourself permission. So core value number one in my company is give yourself permission to win. Nobody's going to give it to you. Give yourself permission to go get what you want. The body's part of that. And change can be like that. But it's so hard for people to understand. Counter, again, counterintuitive. Will you allow yourself to change in an instant? Or do you think that it's going to have to take 10 years? Because I promise you, you can change in an instant. You know you can change in an instant. Right. And anybody that's got any uh, Christian background to them, it's biblical, actually. Be transformed mm. in the twinkling of an eye. In a mm. single moment, I go from being a fat guy trying to lose weight to being a slender guy who has extra pounds on my body. And now the question is, when I sit down to eat my lunch, my question is, does the fat guy eat that or does the fit guy eat that? Which guy eats that? Because somebody eats that thing in front of me. And if it's not the fit guy, then I'm sorry, I don't want it. It's not for me. And I, and I think that, you know, so many times people don't realize that that reinvention doesn't have to be from scratch. I admit it. And I'm going to admit something on this show with everybody watching. I realized after I got fat that I previously didn't have sympathy for fat people. I didn't understand them. I, I did not understand how somebody could get to a place that they didn't want to be and then lament how, you know, how bad they felt they were there until I got there. And I woke up one day and went, what the, who the hell is standing on my scale? Who's, mm -hmm. who's that naked guy on my scale right now? And it's just because that happens. That said, though, I'm that guy. And so now that I'm that guy that went there, I say, great. Now, you're also the guy that was fit. So let's go back to remembering that guy. I'll tell you, and, and you said something about it. What clothes do I wear? I like Tommy Bahama. Do not get me wrong. I think they do great shirts. And it's one of the worst things that could have ever happened for a man's physique ever because it hides so much. That's why they designed the clothes the way they did, because they hide a lot. But that was so bad. I started wearing Tommy Bahama, and I didn't care. I stopped paying attention. Found the love of my life. Didn't quite work out quite as hard, because I didn't have to anymore. And I think there's a lot of people, men and women both, that get to that place where they have this awesome mate who just loves them. And they stop but they stop doing what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, your, that, give your Instagram sorry. handle one more time. Yeah, I am John Madsen. I am John Madsen. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, let's keep that up there for a couple of minutes while we're wrapping up the interview. Uh, any last things in the last couple of minutes that you want to share with our folks and, and any insights or, or thoughts that might inspire them for their day? Uh, no, I, I think the last topic is probably one of the most powerful, just that decision, right? That decision to be somebody new. And like you said, it, it you get to the point very, it, it's almost like the frog in boy, and you turn up the heat and it's like, it doesn't know the water is boiling until, until there's a moment. And for me, I, I had been a professional athlete. One of the, you know, you make it to the NFL, you're a top one percenter. Um, I never, I never battled being fat. I battled being scrawny and weak. And I hated that feeling. But uh, six years ago, me and my wife had our, had our daughter and, 
for me, it was like I, at that point I had been a fitness coach, trained world series champion, strength and conditioning coach for multiple NFL guys that would fly out to my facility, personal uh, training for them. What we do now is all virtual. So we have clients all over the United States and world, but back then it was me training people in person. And so um, this is 2017. We're going to host Thanksgiving and 2018, actually, we're going to host Thanksgiving in our first like bigger house. And I walk into the Travis Matthews store at the mall. My wife, like, you know, carting my daughter, she's eight months old at the time. And I find a shirt that I want and I walk into the dressing room and I pull off my shirt and I'm like, I look at my body almost for the first time in months, right? That my routine was thrown off from the newborn phase. And it was like, you know, juggling a bunch of stuff with business, um, just like everybody else has to deal with. But I, but for whatever reason, my eyes, my eyes met my own eyes in the mirror and I glanced down. I'm like, I have some love. I'm like, are those love handles? I've never, I've never had love handles. And I, I look back up into my eyes and I saw like the fire was gone. It's like I submit, I submitted to the world's obsession with mediocrity, right? I feel like the world is obsessed with mediocrity and winners are shunned in this world. It's like, it's not, it's not popular to win anymore. And I'm like, they almost got me, man. They almost got me. It almost was like, you know what? This is just who I am. I grew up in West Valley City, Utah. I'm not supposed to drive Lamborghinis. I'm not supposed to make millions of dollars. This is just who I am. And I caught that like glimmer in my eyes. And I'm like, I would swear on my own podcast, but I'm like, F that. Right. I'm no, like, that's, no, I that's, don't. You swear if you like to feel free. I get it that you, you said this is not me. Yeah. How did I, how did I, in the words of Gabriel Byrne, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I made I it. Yeah. I was just going to finish real quick. I made a decision in, in the dressing room and I'm like, I, I, I walked out, I hired a photographer about six months out to do photo shoot. I'm like, I'm transforming my business from in-person to online so that I can be free. And, uh, that was like, that was a moment for me where there was a line drawn in the sand and I, and I, I was aware enough to be aware of that moment. I think the hard part is a lot of people are not aware of it. So they just keep on going. It's like, it's not until they're at the Bahamas, you know, hopefully, right. And they're playing with their kids in the sand and their wife takes a picture. She posts it on Instagram and uh, the guy's going through the picture that night and he realizes all of a sudden that he's like, is that really me? Yeah. And people who are not aware, they don't even, they're not aware. So it just keeps going. But if you can catch that moment, whatever it is, maybe it's business, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your fitness. If you can catch that moment, you can decide to change it. The danger though, for me is too many moments of, of warning. It's like the warning lights are on, but people just are blind to, to see them. I would agree. Superhuman.com. Uh, go to Instagram, check out. I am John Madsen. And uh, lots of great lessons, lots of great videos, lots of great content. Make sure you connect in person. You're, you're a delight. I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person. Very excited that you were on my show. Thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, when I'm in the Phoenix area, I'll be sure to look you up. Do so. Thank you. I mean, again, I wasn't just saying this. I have followed your stuff for so long, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for doing what you do. You're very welcome, brother. Take care. Yep. Awesome guests on the show. Uh, if you'd like to be an awesome guest on the show, now is your time. All you got to do is go to studiomoney.info forward slash live guests. Get in the queue. Get on the air. Uh, we had a big show today already. We're about to have a big show. $11,500 up for grabs inside the vault. 
Today uh, and tomorrow are the last two days that when we go to the vault, we will also stay in the other feeds on the social media platforms and everywhere else starting next week. And next week's going to be a little unusual. We're going to play it a little bit by ear. I've got a live event going on starting on Monday in Las Vegas. We're teaching two of my favorite courses called First Million and Irresistible Influence. And then the following week, right after that, we are doing Turning Point in Las Vegas. Uh, if you are a caller that calls into the show today and you do not yet have Turning Point tickets, I'm going to gift you two Turning Point tickets worth $3,000 a piece and give you a chance to come meet with me in person, hang out, because I love you. Because I love you. We've been doing Turning Point for 40 years, over 1 million people through the doors, and you get a chance to have it totally free by simply going to Studio Money dot info forward slash live guests tell us the question you want to ask we'll screen make sure that your equipment's all functioning properly and by your equipment i mean your camera and your microphone and then get you on the air so we're going to take a quick break going to jump over to the vault where i can talk about things that get me banned on every other platform and so much more so we'll see you after a quick video on turning point quick video on first million inside the vault see you there Point. A total change in direction for the better. Who here is ready for a turning point? You absolutely have to have one. Put them on. The two-day turning point seminar is different than any other program in that it does more than just teach you the skills for your relationships, wealth, and power. It also programs you on a subconscious level to put those skills into immediate use. This weekend is about empowerment. This weekend is about you understanding how to take charge of your own life. You will learn total control of your thoughts and emotions. How to use PND or psychoneural duplication to take on the thoughts and actions of others to produce similar results. Whether it's losing weight, changing habits, being a millionaire. When you think what a millionaire thinks and you do what a millionaire does, you'll produce similar results. You will learn to program these powerful tools at a subconscious level for immediate and lasting results. Your conscious mind is what's called your critical factor. It's the mind you're using right now to determine whether the information I'm giving to you will work for you or not. Your subconscious mind, on the other hand, is merely a computer. It's non-critical. It doesn't even have the ability to make judgment. So all trance, hypnosis, reprogramming is, is setting aside the critical factor of your conscious mind and non-critically accepting suggestions. And empowering. To make a fear vanish, you must experience it fully. As it helps you create your life exactly the way you want it. Bring your family closer. Find the love of your life. Create strategies for wealth. Learn irresistible influence and so much more. Because of the intimate nature of this course, seats are very limited. Register now before your life passes you by and there are no more turning points for you. Tens of thousands of people have learned this information and are using it daily. You don't get angry if you get fired from your job and you know that within two years you will be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. It's your time. There's a way for you to win this game that is different than how you're doing it. And it works. It's your life. When you learn how to do that, you become more powerful and power is for use. It's your turning point.
Isn't it time for your first million? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do what you love and learn how to monetize that on a seven-figure level? Do you want to know exactly what you need to do and what not to do to have your biggest year ever? If not now, when? First Million. A two-day subconscious learning experience that both teaches and programs you with the personality traits and habits of multimillionaires. At First Million, you'll learn how to take almost any wealth vehicle to a seven-figure level or better. You'll learn how to stop using vehicles that don't work, are too difficult, or simply unsuited for you. Making money is supposed to be fun. Stop living your life, getting ready to live your life, and start living a life of adventure. First Million was crafted to not just change what you do, it's also going to change who you are. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, you'll learn that you're already a millionaire, even if the money has not yet been deposited in your bank account. Beyond mindsets, you'll learn the actual personality traits of multimillionaires, so you'll naturally do what millionaires do to produce a similar result. One of the key personality traits of a millionaire is charisma. Imagine being able to walk into a room and without speaking a word, have the entire room drawn to you. Imagine others hanging on your every word, wanting to be near you, to be in business with you, and hungry to buy whatever you're selling. First Million will teach you how to use the charisma that politicians, entertainers, CEOs, and celebrities use to move nations and make millions. You'll also learn how to get more done in less time. You'll learn priority management and what the highest and best use of your time is. You'll learn laser-like focus upon IGAs or income generating activities and you'll learn to let go of anything below your pay grade. What if you had more customers than you ever imagined? What if they came right to you and fought to buy from you? At First Million, you'll learn attraction marketing and strategies to get others to pay you for your marketing and advertising before they even purchase your offer. When you attend your First Million, you'll begin to see an overwhelming amount of amazing opportunities all around you. You'll look through the matrix and easily identify target-rich environments. You'll learn dovetailing and stacking strategies to acquire more customers and do more business with the customers you already have. Unless something is sold, no money is made. Whether you're a sales pro, a novice, or even scared to death of selling something, your first million is going to have you fall in love with influence and enjoy it as the game that it is. When you believe in what you're selling, you're obligated to sell it. You'll learn exact language patterns of influence and persuasion. You'll learn how to get others to ask you for what you're selling and have them believe it was their idea. You'll become dynamically able to use arcing statements, direct links, embedded commands, and so much more. An entire tool belt of selling gambits will be yours after you get to your first million. As a first million alumni, you will be clear on what you need to do to GTFM or get the freaking money. You deserve great wealth and your first million will help to raise your self-esteem around the topic of money. The amount of money you make will always be determined by your own self-image. You'll learn what billion-dollar corporations already know about outsourcing, how to get anything below your pay grade done for pennies on the dollar. Your first million 
will give you the groundwork to understand presentation skills and the highest paid profession on the planet, public speaking. When you graduate from your first million, you'll be able to create presentations that inspire with confidence and power. If all that weren't enough, there's so much more. Making your first million is almost certainly going to require that you manage at least a small team. You'll walk out of the course with the knowledge of how to lead teams and synergistically get more done in less time. Technology has made our lives so much easier as we've learned how to harness it. The First Million course will teach you what is up to date and available in technology so that you can use that cutting edge technology to get more done and have more fun. You'll also learn how to harness the power of the internet for massive passive profits. Every time you attend your first million, you'll learn new technology and internet marketing strategies as these two portions of the class change every time you attend. It's like getting a brand new seminar each time you come. If you're a representative, you may attend your first million as often as you like, totally free with your enrollment in the first million course. If you're not yet a rep, or if you have not yet invested in your first million, enroll now. Everything begins in thought, and you know what you want to say. Go ahead, say it now. Say it out loud. I'm ready for my first million. All right. No more horsing around. We got $11,500 up for grabs on today. Leap day. I'd like to take a leap. I'd like you to win. All you got to do is say the secret word and win $11,500. Nothing to sneeze at, although I was sneezing on the break. We're back. We take your calls about sex, money, and power. I mentioned this on yesterday's show, and I want you to know that you can ask me questions about anything. We had a few people yesterday because I brought it up that wanted to ask questions, but didn't want their face to show. In other words, they had a question that might've been sensitive, or maybe there were some people who would be impacted by them asking the question. So they said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna show my face. You don't have to show your face. Put a mask on, put, put a paper bag over your head. Go Murray Langston on me and do the unknown comic. Just cut a hole for the eyes and the mouth. And it's cool. Uh, if you really want us to, we can certainly put your avatar up, not put a picture of you up. I like seeing you, but if you really have a question that's too intimate or maybe you know just too sensitive then by all means let's uh hide your face get you on the show so you can ask the question i also had somebody that asked me when you when you ask the questions do they have to be questions that are socially acceptable and the answer is absolutely not that's the whole point of being here in the vault is to ask the questions that are going to get us kicked off media platforms that are going to offend people because frankly, that's part of what the show's all about is helping people to stop being offended. Uh, I remember there was a time when we could tell a joke and people just laughed, they didn't judge us, they didn't try to cancel us, they didn't shut us down. And if you're looking for somebody that's gonna be politically correct, I recommend you find another show because I'm not that guy. I'm gonna say it like it is. Our first guest of the day today who uh, messaged us at studiomoney.info forward slash live guests, Amber Walker, Welcome. You are live on the air, and it is always great to hear from you. Good to see you, Marshall. Where are you calling in from? <laughs> from my mobile office, Alabama. Lovely. Well, I love what you've done with the place. 
Thank you. <laughs> and you, you said you're in mobile? No, my mobile office. So I'm just, uh, but I'm, I'm near Montgomery, Alabama. Lovely. And uh, you look beautiful, as always. What's your question for the day? Nothing provocative today. Um, oh, bummer. Man, I'm so <laughs> bummed. Uh, maybe next time. Yeah, I figured um, if anybody could ask me a provocative question, it'd be you. But go ahead. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's um, your non-provocative question? There go my ratings. We're losing listeners. But what's sorry, the non-provocative sorry. question? That's okay. Well, um, it is uh, curiosity just a, just about you. So um, what is something that you've always wanted to do, but you've never done, but you would do if circumstances permitted? Yeah, I really want to go to Poland. Poland. Yeah, I'm half Polish, so I really want to go to Poland. Okay. And to be fair, Erica's half Filipina, so I also want to go to the Philippines so my children know something about their heritage and their ancestry. And uh, so I definitely want to do both those. Uh, the next one, glad you asked, that I haven't done, that we're about to do, is for Christmas, Sterling asked for pilot lessons. He wants to become a pilot. And, awesome. uh, you know, at level 61, it's something I've wanted to do my whole life. I took some lessons many years ago. But with my son committing to wanting to become a pilot, I have committed to becoming a pilot alongside of him. So we're very excited about that adventure that we're embarking upon. That is super awesome. I noticed you were also asking a second question, and it's what was my most significant personal challenge and what changed my thought process to overcome it? Mm -hmm. And it's two. There's two things. One is my approach to relationships. And that was a big one for me. You know, I I thought I liked a particular type of person. Blonde hair, blue eyes, big, 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 big blue eyes. And I always thought that, you know, that was what I was attracted to. I didn't realize, no, that was just a habit. That just happened to be, you know, what the media made me think I, I wanted. You know, Erica, obviously, you're part of Inner Circle. You've been to our home and Erica's brown hair, brown eyes, and, and none of that what I thought. What I realized was my approach to relationships was just stupid and that it was not a strategy that I was going to probably ever win at. And that what I really needed to do was ask a different question that had nothing to do with appearances and had everything to do with human qualities. And so with Erica, what I said is I just want someone kind. I just don't want to do drama anymore. And I also said, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be me. And I'm going to be very clear because it was, you know, we hadn't started a relationship yet. I'm going to be very clear with anybody that I meet of what I really like. And some of the things that, that were things that I liked, I figured would make most people run away and uh, probably would have made most people run away, but it didn't make Erica run away. So I think for the first time in my entire life in relationship, I was able to 100% be me without apology. And because I was being me for the first time in my life, I felt loved for me, not for the representative, not for the guy that, that, that I was sending to the dates for me. And then the second thing, and this is interesting because, you know, other people might have thought my alcohol consumption level was problematic. I did not at all on any level. I, I never missed work over drinking alcohol. I, I never would drink if I had things to do. Certainly on more than I can count occasions, embarrassed myself when I was drinking. And finally, one day I had to just say, you know what? Do you really want your kids watching this lesson? 
Do you really want the people that you love more than life itself thinking this is acceptable? And the answer was a resounding no. And so what changed for me, um, and we are in the vault, so I can say it, I stopped being a selfish fuck. And I just said, you know what? Um, I, I, I have been blessed with an amazing wife and amazing kids. I'm going to step my game up to give them what they deserve. And I think that was it. And I saw a big sigh come from you. I know how hard you work and I know everything that you do. And I also know that, you know, for me at least, being able to be honest and real on those two elements, both, you know, how I was selecting my mate and then also just the truth about me. It, it was liberating to me. It is liberating to me. And I, I've, I was thinking about this in the spa this morning, actually. I've never been this happy. I've never been this satisfied. I've never been this happy. And I've never been more excited to show this person. You still with me? Ah, uh, it's kind of breaking up a little bit. Yeah, you're there now. Okay. So those are the two things that I changed. What are you working on? A lot. Mm, One. Some of that. Some of that. <laughs> myself. I'm working on myself and being my authentic self. You know, the challenge with that is um, that authentic self may not be what everybody else is in love with. And that's the challenge is that, you know, when I when I decided to stop drinking, as an example, as minor as it was, the friends that would call me up to go hang out or go have dinner, they don't call me anymore because they know I'm not going to enjoy a bottle of wine with them. I'm not going to have margaritas with them. And as silly as it seems, I think the bigger reason they don't call me to hang out with them like they used to is they don't want my non-drinking, even though I don't do it, they don't want my non-drinking rubbed in their faces. It's kind of like somebody decides to stop smoking cigarettes and their buddies that go on cigarette breaks with them every single day, even though they know they've stopped, offer them a cigarette because they're secretly hoping the person who quit smoking didn't actually quit because then they won't have to. So yes. all good stuff. I'm so glad you called in. Always great to see your face. Even better to hear your voice. So uh, I look forward to seeing you and yours at... Uh, First million or irresistible influence or even next level very, very, very soon. Yes, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to attend. That sounds I wanna great. Take a, uh, I want to take a guess at the secret word. You go ahead. All right. Uh, Funkmeister. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not right. And yes, that's the best guess ever. <laughs> I wish Funkmeister were in this envelope right now. Man, that would make me happy on so many levels, but no, not Funkmeister today. But what made you think it was Funkmeister? Well, you said, um, okay, well, my other two guesses were Maven and Guru. Good job. Um, you, you said funky earlier, and then you said a bunch of words that are synonyms to Guru and Maven. Um, so I just kind of honed in on that. Good. Well, good guess. And, and like I said, people are going to figure out how my brain works soon enough. I'm positive. And, and I'm glad you're, you're listening for clues because I'm definitely giving them. And uh, soon enough. And then, like I said, I really was thinking about this this morning as well, that the words are difficult right now on purpose. They're not easy. I'm thinking once this prize is given away and I've stayed true to this course, that I'm going to start making the words simpler, making the clues much, much clearer so that every single week at least, 
we are giving away some big cash prize. So keep listening, keep watching. Glad to have you on the show. You're totally loved. Take care, Amber. Funkmeister. That's good. Hey, I'm going to help you out right now. One day soon, within the next 90 days, Funkmeister is going to be the word. So I gave you a clue. Our next guest is also a part of a duo who are both uh, inner circle members. And I love both these people so very much. They are a joy to be near. Please welcome to the stage uh, my friend Joseph Mortala. Joseph Mortala, welcome home. Hello, Marshall, and, also, and to all of your guests and our friends from Inner Circle. And I have my partner with me today. So you're getting one, two for one. Two for one, lucky me. <laughs> very, very Filipino of you, two for one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bargain, you know? It is a bargain. But wait, anytime my wife sees it's two for one, she buys four. So <laughs> I, I know that it's a Filipino trait. Okay. So, so, so what's happening? What's going on? You both have great, huge changes going on in your life. And, you know, congratulations on that. Yeah, I see your did. fellow inner circle member, Melissa, is saying hello to you. What's your yeah, question today? Teresa there. So we had this deal on a, after our workshop that we went back home. We had this opportunity to to buy a, a condo, which is ideal because it's next to my existing condo. And we found that this uh, seller is very difficult, kind of a, that's why I'm asking a question about resistance. How do we, how, what's really the best way to deal with a person who's, he's so set in his kind of, a, I'm selling this, I know I could sell this for this price. So we try to negotiate on even just on the terms of the contract. He wouldn't budge, he wouldn't answer our, our, our texts. So it, it's basically she would not meet in person. Um, so we just basically proposed by text and that kind of stuff. So eventually we uh, tried to work the numbers. He wouldn't work because of his terms. So I was wondering, would you have any kind of a, we've listened to most of your tapes on influencing and dealing with resistance. And we thought you might have a special, special trick in the bag that you could give us for this kind of sellers. Yeah, I have some insight, not necessarily a trick. And the insight is twofold. Number one, uh, when I want to negotiate with somebody, I need to know whether or not they are sincere about what they're doing. There was a theater down in Carlsbad that I wanted to buy many years ago. It had been in the same family for about 40 years. The theater was relatively unused. It almost, it almost never had anything going on inside of it, but he claimed that he wanted to sell it, yet every time I would go to negotiate with him, we would get it, we had a deal done twice. While we were signing contracts, he broke into tears both times, couldn't sign the contracts. And I knew what it was, was that the building was his identity. And finally, after the second time it happened, I went to my wife and I said to Erica, the only one selling that property is his widow. He's never selling the property. It's his identity. He's not selling the property. And I let it, I left it alone. Didn't reach back to him for about a year. After a year, I just popped into my mind. I gave him a call. His wife answered the phone and said he had died six months later. I said, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, what's going on with the theater? She said it was just sold. Just like I said. And and so 
on your circumstance, one of the things that you might ask is, is the property currently for sale, the condo? Yes. Is the not, price not, not, not in the market, but he's, he's selling it for sale by owner, basically. So Got it, for sale by owner. So he, yeah. it's a pocket listing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And is it priced appropriately or is it overpriced? It's a little bit overpriced because you look at the comps and he's, uh, he's the former property manager in the complex. So he knows that some, some of the condos in that complex sells for that much. So he's kind of a, it's a little bit overpriced. Okay. As you know, and you mentioned it already, there's only two things we can negotiate on as far as real estate is concerned. And, and it's true for most things is price or term. Right. Yeah. So if somebody wants to sell me something for too much, but they're willing to give me great terms, owner financing, no interest, exactly. then it actually might pencil out that it's cheaper to pay too much for the property. The other right. thing that that I do with people is is I ask, and you heard me do this before, I ask, would you sell it to me today for X, whatever their asking price is? When they say yes, I say, great. You do know that that's above market right now. Oh no, it just depends on how you look at the market. And you know, you know, there's other comps to support this price. I understand all of that, all of the above. I just want you to know that you're not you you can either choose to sell it quickly or slowly. If you want to get your price and your terms, it may or may not ever happen. Certainly likely to happen slowly. But if you want to have it happen quickly, then you know, we've got to figure out a means of agreement. So now that I know what you want to sell it for. How quickly do you want to sell it? So what I like to do is I like to bring in other elements to get the person thinking about things so that they will reconsider my offer, because that's the truth. You know, I'm looking for a brand new building uh, for our theater down in Southern California. We've come across a couple of buildings and they too, in my opinion, were overpriced. And so I went back to them and I said, you know, what, what's your price? I said, okay, what kind of terms will you give me? And it, when the terms weren't favorable, I, I said, okay, how long are you willing to go without selling the property? Well, you know, we'll, we'll just keep it listed till it sells. I said, I, I respect that. How soon should I check back in with you if it's not sold? If I see that it's still on the market in two months, three months, four months, should I come back and, and, say, and remind you that I, I was here? Or do you expect that it'll be sold before that? And so what I want to get them to do is rather than keep it in the ether, I want them to put a frame around how soon they want to sell it so that should it not sell, number one, they won't think I'm a pest. Number two, they've already given me permission to reach back and call them again. But number three, when I call them back, I'm going to say, hey, I'm glad uh, I'm calling you back because I noticed that the property didn't sell yet. And I'm wondering if there's any shift in your position. That's all I would do. And then I told you there were two things. The second thing is always have other options so that you can walk away. Never make one condo, one piece of property, one deal, hell, one wife or husband, the center of your world to the point where you couldn't walk away if the deal goes south. You know, I tell Erica tells me she loves me forever. And I know what she really means. She loves me forever today. And that if my behavior gets sideways or massive change in our circumstance occurred, she might not feel that way tomorrow. So, so again, I, I would plant the seeds. And this is the last piece. Sometimes when people don't get their way, they become a little busy and they get a little angry. And I do my best, even when I am angry, even when I have every right to be pissy, I do my very best to be kind. I do my very best to wish them well, 
and say, gosh, you know, it, it's more than we think it's worth. I, 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 I pray you get the amount you're looking for. I, I, I don't want to be a nag and, and, you know, come back and keep offering you the same thing. But, uh, you know, I'm going to, I, I, I know if someone will pony up and pay you what you're asking for right there, then you should take it. But if nobody does, you should reconsider my offer. So sometimes it's just time. With him, him being the property manager there, he might have managed it during a more robust period. This is an election year. There are lots of opportunities for great investments during an election year, because now, this year more than ever in history, the chaos involved with this particular election is gonna cause some people to be massively afraid and they're gonna start dumping property. I just saw that the owner of salesforce.com, uh, Mark Beinoff, just started selling stock. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg started selling billions of dollars worth of stock. A lot of these major people are selling stock. Why? Because it's election year. And during election year, there's turmoil and everybody likes to, to be safe. So I might even add that in. Um, one of the things that I do in negotiation is you want to make sure you don't find them wrong. You want to find them right, except find them right with a caveat. And so if I were to say, as an example to this seller, you know what? The condo at that price is a great value if it's 2020. But in 2024, things have changed a little bit. And because it's 2024, here's the comps that I pulled up. And, and you don't have to pay attention to them. You don't have to agree with them. I just wanted to point them out to you. And, you know, if I can call you back in two months, if the place hasn't been sold, we can have another conversation. That'd be great. Great. Thank you so much. We'd like to improve our performance in the real estate business. How's that for a guess sentence for the word performance? Yeah. And so I think that the best way to increase anybody's performance in anything, uh, Gary V, I was watching a Gary V video and the Gary V video echoed what um, Alex Hermosi had been saying about social media. And what they both said was put out more content, just put out more. And somebody was asking uh, Alex in the interview, well, what if the more isn't better? What if more actually dilutes the quality of it all? And he said, doesn't matter, put out more. He said, and so I wanna tell you the same thing as far as real estate is concerned. The biggest thing somebody could do to have more success in their life in general is make more really bad offers. Right. Yeah. You watch the Shark Tank and you know, and these guys theoretically or presumably have billions of dollars. Mark Cuban, uh, you know, Barbara Cochran, they all, they all have billions of dollars. So when people come on the show and they're asking for 150 here or, you know, 300 there, it's like, it's a drop in the bucket. That's a birthday gift for somebody, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a billionaire, but you'll watch them, no matter what somebody offers, negotiate. They, they, they almost, I, I've seldom seen them say, somebody says, we're seeking half a million dollars for 10% of our company. Seldom have I seen them say, sign me up. They always say, okay, you're seeking half a million for 10%. I'll give you 250,000 for 10% or I'll give you half a million for 20. And so again, the answer to your question, make more bad offers. Make, and, and I do this a lot, make offers on stuff you don't even want, but make yeah. the offer so ridiculous that if they agree at the price you offered, you can find a way to want it. Okay, we wanna guess the word in your oh, 1,500. We think it's professional. Oh man, that is a good guess. That's far. 
<laughs> Not correct, but it's a good guess. All right. And I'm glad. Hey, you know, we're getting somewhere. The show's only 14 days long. And in the first week, almost nobody was guessing the word. And now you guys are taking a shot at it. So it's working out. We'll get it figured out. And like I said, somebody's right. going to win the cash very soon. Guaranteed. All right. Thank you so much. It's you nice guys are welcome. You. I love you both. I look forward to seeing you again we'll very soon. You. Will we see you at First Million? See you Monday. I'll see you on Monday. Yep. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care, Evangeline. Life is good. I, I, I love I love what we do, and I love the fact the show has taken off. Yeah, we just started streaming. Uh, we're, we stream live on YouTube. We are streaming live on Instagram. And like I said, we'll continue streaming the first hour on as many platforms as the show uh, is accepted upon. And then ultimately, though, ultimately, we are going to come to the vault for the second hour where we will give away the 10 ounces of pure silver, where we will put the money up for grabs every single day. So if you do not yet have a free membership to The Vault, make sure you go to studiomoney.info forward slash The Vault. Get your free membership because we're going to start sending freebies out to people that are a part of the broadcast membership program. Doesn't cost you a dime, never will. Totally free. Become a member. Just go over there. Speaking of free, if you have not yet downloaded your free subconscious reprogramming audio that will train your brain to be a multimillionaire. The audio normally sells for 50 bucks. I'd like to give it to everybody listening to the show right now, totally free. Head over to IamTheNextMultimillionaire.com. IamTheNextMultimillionaire.com. You can download the audio there, totally free. And also get some details on the I Am The Next Multimillionaire program that we're about to launch as we do a live television broadcast over four months, transforming at least one, if not 12 of our candidates into millionaires in 120 days or less. So. Uh, go get your free audio. Make sure you get your free membership at the vault and make sure you join me here on our broadcast and have some fun. Uh, our next guest on the show, Kelsey Griffith Young. Welcome home. Hi, Marshall. You are so loved. Yes, thank you. You are loved, too. Thank you. Um, so I signed up for the I Am The Next Multimillionaire program. Um and I am planning on being one of your 12, maybe not your first 12, but eventually one of your 12. Awesome. Um, my question was for, um, for your Turning Point program, how should, um, how should I come prepared to make the most of the program? Like, my mindset is amazing right now. I am so proud of myself. Um, but I want to make the most of my business when I come to Turning Point. So are there any things that I should keep an eye out for? Yeah, that's a great question. Come with an open mind. Come willing to play full out. Take mm -hmm. copious notes. Take as many notes as you can. Because not only will the notes uh, help, re help you retain the information, give you a source to go back to. The second you write something down, you increase the impact it has on your subconscious mind over 500%. And the reason Absolutely. writing down notes does that, whether you went back and looked at the notes ever again or not, is you're automatically involving other elements in your process. You're moving your hand, you're looking at a piece of paper, so you're involving your sight, and it has massively more impact upon you. The other thing you can do, dress comfortably. Uh, if you've never been to Turning Point or any of my events, you will find out very quickly. I keep the room very cold. And okay. I keep the room cold for a, a big reason. It keeps people awake. People pay more attention. They don't fall asleep. They stay awake. I do get people that whine and complain that it's too damn cold in the room. 
And uh, one day my daughter was at Turning Point and we were getting ready to go to a lunch break and the family was going to go to lunch break with me. She and her siblings and her mom were in the back of the room. We went to lunch and at lunch, my daughter said, Daddy, the people in the room, they're cold. The room's cold, Daddy. I said, yeah, it is. She said, well, the people don't want to be cold. I said, I know, honey. She said, we should sell them blankets. And she <laughs> created a prosperity style blanket, it's a beautiful blanket. She created a prosperity style blanket with her logo on it. And so we will make blankets available. Just bear in mind, it is going to be cold. Uh, and then um, the final thing you can do, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that um, I've gone onto Prosperity's website and sh I can't buy anything from the website directly. Um, like I have to, I signed up for the email list, but like there's not a way to literally purchase on her website. You just made my day. Thank you. So we're going to get somebody who's really good at website, website design to rework her site. If you're watching the show right now and you're excellent at, I don't know, Builder All, ClickFunnels, Go High Level, any of those platforms, and you want to assist my daughter with her site, let us know. I would be grateful. So thank you for letting me know that. Absolutely. And then the last thing, last thing I'll tell you, uh, sometimes people bring pillows. Uh, there are two long trance sessions, two programming sessions where I'm going to get in and rewire your brain. And they're best done laying out on the floor, relaxed. So if you wanted to bring a pillow for your head, it wouldn't be unusual nor frowned upon. It would be absolutely great. Okay, thank you so much. And um, I just, I cannot believe how much you've changed my life in the short time that I've already been listening to you. But like, you are so wonderful. And I want you to realize that you are making an impact and making a difference in so many people's lives. So thank you. Um, you are very, very welcome. I want to guess the word. Um, is ahead. it astrology or Taurus? Oh, man, that's a good one. You're getting closer. You're oh. getting closer. Okay. So you're, I'll get you're there. I will get there. Awesome. <laughs> you take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, they're closing in. You're all closing in on the 11500 bucks. We have time for one more call. So if you want to get on the air, uh, please let the studio know. Go to uh, studiomoney.info forward slash live guests. We've got time for one more guest. Um, you know, one of the challenges that uh, people have is sometimes people are afraid to get feedback. You know, just now somebody telling uh, me that Prosperity site doesn't allow people to order her products there. I didn't know that. I, I haven't been on her site. I admit it. And so thank you for letting me know those insights. And, and that's the last lesson of the day. In fact, I'm not going to take another call today. I'm going to give one last lesson. And the last lesson of the day is be moldable talent. Be moldable talent. What does that mean? Sometimes people take input as criticism. Sometimes people think that if somebody else tells me what's wrong with what I'm doing or how to do it better, that they're criticizing me. And my experience has been that's just not the case. And if you're somebody who feels like they're constantly criticized, maybe it's not the people around you. Maybe it's just how you have been receiving information. So rather than see it as criticism or experience it as people attacking you, uh, just like I did with Kelsey, experience it as people loving you and wanting your life to be better and wanting to assist you. Hey, we're going to wrap up today's show right now. And nobody guessed the word. You guys are closing in, though. I gave you a lot of insights. 
I, I mentioned repeatedly, stop horsing around. You know, you got to buckle down, got to pony up the money, horse around, pony up the money. I talked uh, quite a bit out of context, actually. And I think that's the way you're going to discover what the word is. That's how on future shows. In fact, let me let me help you get in my brain the last part of this show so that on tomorrow's show and subsequent shows, you can know better uh, how to get the uh, secret word of the day. I talked about Eddie Murphy and I talked about him extensively. I, I talked about the fact that I saw an interview and uh, Eddie Murphy was in it. Then I talked about horsing around and ponying up. Well, Eddie Murphy, and then I also talked about Shrek. I talked about looking like Shrek rather than being ripped, looking like Shrek. The character that Eddie Murphy played in the Shrek movie was not a horse. It was not a pony. The character that Eddie Murphy played in the Shrek movies, no horsing around. We're going to pony up the money. And the word of the day was indeed donkey. It's the word donkey. And had you said the word donkey, you'd have won $11,500 tomorrow, the 1st of March. Tom Beal is our guest. And $12,000 cash is up for grabs. $12,000 cash. One last piece of business. We had three callers on today's show. We had Amber, Joseph, and Kelsey. You decide who wins the 10 ounces of pure silver by voting in the chat wherever you are. So if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, you vote for who wins the 10 ounces of pure silver. Is it Amber? Is it Joseph? Is it Kelsey? Because you're going to decide who gets it. Announcement on tomorrow's show. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, you are totally loved. Make today the best day of your life. I'm Marshall Silver. We'll see you tomorrow on Marshall Silver Live. Bye for now.